0: Welcome to Momentum Church. Over the next few weeks, we're looking at a series we're calling Bad Lip Reading. Bad Lip Reading. How many at times you've heard things said, but they were said in such a way that you might have missed it a little bit. And if you're married, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And um, for me, you guys know I'm deaf. Some of you guys know that. That's what this is. This isn't just a cool Bluetooth device. Um, this is a hearing apparatus. And so, with that, so often, especially before I got this apparatus, so often I would just miss stuff that was said. I would think all sorts of things were said. You know, I love you and you're sweet. And I look at Amy, I'm like, I rub you and your feet, what? You know, it would just be things like that. I just could not tell what was being said um, so often and it would get me in trouble. And the thing is, I don't want us to get in trouble when it comes to following the will and the word of the Lord. Amen. And there's things in the scripture that at times we have said what scripture is saying, but it's not what scripture is saying. We, we've looked at passages of scripture and we've said, well, this is what Jesus is saying. This is what he means. And then we run our lives by a portion of something that we have kind of um, interpreted the way we want it to be said. And it's not at all what is being said, you know. And so it's important for us to be able to hear clearly what Jesus says to us, and then act because we're his followers, right? You can't follow if you don't have clear directions. You can't follow if you don't um, receive clear instruction. And in the scriptures, it says in John eight thirty one, he said to the Jews who believed, "If you keep and obey my word, then you are my followers for sure. If you keep." You got to hear, you got to keep, and you got to obey His words. And if we do that, then we are His followers. So over the next few weeks, we're going to take a look at some truths in Scripture that at times we might have a hard time swallowing. They may be a little difficult for us to digest, maybe a little bit challenging for us to embrace. We're going to unpack some confusing verses in Scripture that sometimes are taken out of context and and we miss the true core of what. Christ is trying to get his disciples, his followers, to follow in. Everything that we're going to look at has the purpose of causing us to go from just being hearers to being followers or disciples of Christ. Because you can call yourself a Christian, all right, and, 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 and that's awesome. We can have a name over us. We can, I'm a Christian. Why? Because I live in America. I'm a Christian, right? I grew up in a Christian home. I'm a Christian. My grandparents, my dad, in the South, what we say is, my granddaddy was a preacher. I can't tell you how many times. I know I'm good, you know. My, 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 I got four or five preachers in my family, you know. And that makes us a Christian. Or or I come to church on a Sunday morning, and that and I'm glad you're here. Amen. Look at this room. That's a good room full of people. Amen. But I come to church on a Sunday morning, so that makes me a Christian. And that can be that title over us, but too often our lives can be heard by others saying anything but what Jesus desires to be read of our lives. In 2 Corinthians 3 2, it says that we are epistles, we're living letters. It says, read of men. That when people look at our lives, are our lives matching up to what is being spoken in Scripture? What, what Jesus is saying as the disciples are to live, as the disciples are to follow, is our lives matching up to that? Or is there a disconnect? You know, is there is there something that, that the breakdown in communication? And so we're gonna be looking at some of this stuff, you know. And as we watch the rolling, it's funny, it's it's easy to laugh about. But what happens when the voice of the believer isn't lining up with the mouth of the savior? That will never be something that's funny. Amen. Never. And so, with that, we, we give a world less than what is really being said by Jesus. We give a world less as they read our lives than what Jesus really wants to be expressed. And no wonder at times, we, myself included, as Christians, we come off as a joke. It's just a place that we use as a stretcher. This is just, it's just a faith that gets you out of stuff. But it's not a faith that gets you into stuff. You know? Everybody that's new is like, I thought y'all were just always funny and nice and fun. August seems so, f- we are. But man, I don't know. I don't know about y'all. I want to go somewhere. I want to do some stuff. Amen? I want to represent Jesus in the earth. And because of that, man, what he says, I need to understand what he's saying. Not miss it. And then allow that to be relived outside of my life so that it's also understood and not missed. And if it is, then who's the joke? If it is, then who? Who? So, when it comes down to it, are we going to live in the Word and allow the Word to live in us? Or are we going to possess lifestyles that come across as a character rather than express the character of Christ? Did you catch that? Man, I don't want to be a character. I want to express the character of Christ. And so with that, i got to take some of the scriptures that he challenges with as disciples and then allow those things to be lived out of my life as, as people read my life, that letter, that epistle read of men, that they can hear clearly what Jesus is saying. So there's no bad lip reading. That there's not something that's funny, that there's not something that's a joke when it comes to my character walking up into the things of Christ. And if that's the case, we're going to have to break down John chapter 15. I want you to stand to your feet. We're going to read John 15, 1 through 7, starting out. We're going to go to verse 11 by the end of today. But starting out, I want to just cover the first few verses. Jesus says this, and this came out of, I love how I get you standing up then I preach a little. This came out of about a month ago, I was preparing my heart and devotion just for myself. And this started stirring my heart and I turned it into kind of a devotional for my my board. And and I just, I feel like it's something that we've got to be able to embrace as Christ followers. As those who don't just want the name Christian over us, but we want to truly be following Christ. And so it says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. This is Jesus telling us this. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may be bear more fruit. That pruning, just remember this. You may be going through a pruning session right now in your life. Amen? There may be things being cut out of your life that you're going, oh, please don't cut that out of my life. I like her. I love him. You know? It, it, it may be, I, I want to be a part of this job or a part of this church or part of this or part of that. And God's just shaping and shifting and cutting and and... It's a good thing. Shout good thing. It's not a bad thing. Man, when you're going, after the vine, the, the, you're going after being tapped into the vine and things need to be cut away by the Father, that's a good thing because He's going to cause you to be able to bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. And I love this. You're already a believer. You're already clean. This sermon isn't for you to say, shame on you and shame on me for missing it. You already are a believer. You're already clean. You know, but... If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. Yesterday I was in the woods cutting back some trees. And and, and, I was throwing the the branches away. Now they're cut away from the tree trunk. They're thrown away. And, um, And then I threw them on top of a bunch of bees. Got stung five times. But I didn't cuss. Thank you, Jesus. I'm telling you. The Lord is at work in your pastor's heart. I'm growing and maturing. And I start, I bless the Lord, oh, my soul, you know. One stung me on top of the head. Have you ever been stung on the head? What in the, no, never. That's the first time. I'm, I'm, it hurts. But watch this. If you abide in me, verse 7, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Jesus, and in your name, we come to you. We ask that you would put in us a stirring. Lord, you would challenge us today that what you say, as it is lived in our lives, will be seen and heard in others accurately. In Jesus' name, amen. You can have your seat. So the gist of this whole series is just that, that what God is saying in us will be seen accurately in others, that, that what God's trying to do in us, that what we read in scriptures. We don't try to twist those scriptures, but we, Lord, we want to live up to those scriptures. We don't want to misread what you're saying, and the worst way we can misread what you're saying is just by not living what you're saying. That's a misreading of our whole lives, okay? And so when it comes down to it, there's a little thing here, though, that we jump into at the end that is something that I think all of us as believers, we want to jump on quick, and that is this, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you, Jesus. Man, you can make a t-shirt out of that, amen? You can have that on a coffee cup, you could do that on the side of your pickup truck, on the back with your Trump sticker, or whatever you want, you know? I'm just, I'm just saying, you know. Ask, ask, you know. Ask what you want, you know, and it'll be done for you, Jesus. You can even say it like, like an evangelist, you know. Ask whatever you want, and it will be done for you, Jesus. So it was just said, and we, 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 dare I say, idolize a parenthetical insert into a chapter. That is a tough chapter that we really don't want to read accurately, but let's idolize one little portion, and, and you know what, I just, I'm believing and I'm receiving. I'm asking, I'm, I'm going to get what God has for me. I'm just going to ask and believe and receive, and you know what, I believe in it. I, I believe in naming, claiming, and blabbing, grabbing, calling, hauling. I'd rather walk in God's stuff than not, amen? But on the other side, when it comes to it, I'm not putting Jesus out on a limb you don't want to be out on. I had a person years ago, this is the best one, I'm in, a, I'm in a Sunday school class, and this lady, she says right in the class, she's like, I need a prayer request. I'm like, oh, oh what, what, what do you need? She's like, me and my guy, our relationship hasn't been going so good lately, and, um, and our sex life is just really, really bad. And you could just see everybody in the room like, because we knew she wasn't married, you know. And, 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 and as polite as I could say then, you know, I was like, well, oh, oh, you know what, let's, let's pray. And so I prayed a prayer about just going after God's heart and listening to God speak to us about what God would want us to do and not do. And, you know, obviously I can't can't pray this prayer, you know. I wanted to say, listen, honey, God can't bless no mess. But I I didn't say that. I I wanted to. But it was one of those things where she had seen a scripture like this. that You can just ask whatever you want and God's going to do it, you know. Give me a million dollars and I'll be faithful to give. You're not faithful to give with the 40000 you have. Why would he give you a million? You're not grafted in to the vine now. Why would he want to? Come on, somebody. So in verse 7, if you abide in me, you catch that? And my words abide in you. Now ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Isn't that good? And most likely, if we're abiding in Him and He's abiding in us, when it gets to the place of our prayer, the place of our supplication, the place of our requests, guess what? They're going to line up with the will of the Father as well. And so in that moment, I'm not acting and asking out of my character. I'm acting and asking out of the character of Christ. But it does. It says, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Watch this, in John 15, 8, one verse later, by this my Father is glorified, that you get your stuff, that you walk and increase, that you have a whole bunch of stuff, eh, maybe, maybe not. No, no, by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. The Father is glorified when we move in the proof of discipleship. Okay, not just I'm a Christian and that's what's over my life, but I am a disciple that has found myself abiding in him and having him abide in me. I'm a disciple grafted in and those things in my life that aren't, God, I welcome you to prune, to cut back. I'm a disciple. I'm not just in name only a Christian, but Lord, I'm following you. And the parts of my life that aren't following you, I give you permission to cut back and cut away, throw into the fire. Deal with this stuff, Jesus, in my life, because I'm not perfect. And I want you guys to understand as your pastor, oh my gosh, in the last year and a half, he's been dealing with me with some stuff. Man, after 27, now it's over 28 years of ministry, I thought I had stuff figured out. And I don't. I don't need an applause. Last fall, man, every part of my life and way of doing life and ministry and everything just started shifting and changing because God was putting his thumb on some things of my heart, telling me it's time to cut some stuff away. It's time to deal with some things in your own life. And for me to say, yeah, yeah, but God, you know what? I'm just going to keep asking and keep wishing, and I know your promise says it's going to be done for me. Yeah, yeah, but apart from abiding in him, apart from dealing with him in such a way, and allowing him to deal with me in such a way, that I choose to say, God, cut away whatever you want to cut away. I would never walk in what we're walking in now, or what we're going to be walking in here in a few years. Amen? In the same way in your life. There's a proof to discipleship, and this is it. I'll put it on the screen. Abide in me, and I in you. That's easy. No, it's not. That's hard. Everybody wants you to say that with me. Say, abide in me, and I in you. Let's say it again, abide in me, and I in you. Why am I saying this is the proof of discipleship? Because the whole passage of, of the John, John 15, 1 through 11 is dealing with this idea of abiding in the vine and letting the vine abide in us. And then out of that, there's things that just can't be born any longer in us. So those things are cut away. That causes greater fruitfulness. That fruitfulness is seen by others, that's that life read of men, and that fruitfulness is as seen as by others is a proof of our discipleship. Scripture just teaches that, okay? But it all goes back to the simple truth, abide in me and I in you. Watch this, John 15, 1-8, abide in me and I in you. And as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Fruit will not come from our life unless we abide in him and he abides in us. I'm the vine, you are the branches. Verse 5, whoever abides in me and I in him. He it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. But the things that we're putting our hands to do come out of an expression of our abiding. They don't come out of an expression of our desire per se. He gives us the desires of our heart when we're abiding with him. And if our desires are flawed, can I just tell you, it's because your abiding is flawed. Amen? When my desires get askew, you know why? Because my abiding in him gets excused. My allowing him to have his expression, his abiding in me, gets excused. Not on his fault, but for my, because of my fault. Verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. We get there, but we don't get to that place of promise apart from the challenge of abiding. Amen? Now here's the thing about Abiding. As a believer, and this is, this is important, we need to look at this, especially for new believers. If you're a new believer here, I think it's very much first, us abiding in Him. I'm just being honest. When you first got saved, man, you didn't even have enough sins to let Him abide in you yet. I, I'm just being honest, okay? And I'll, get, I'll, I'll explain that in a second. But when it first comes to it, man, you're just abiding in him. You need your peace, you run to him. You need your joy, you run to him. You need your comfort, you run to him. He's that strong tower that we run into when we're saved. We need a sense, you know, it doesn't matter what it looks like. It can be, even as believers now, so often, you know, it's like, oh, I want that house. Jesus, let the, the loan go through. I'm abiding in him. I'm, I'm running to him. Lord, let this be. Whatever I'm asking, make it happen. Jesus. Amen. Amen. And I will testify, and I will give you all the glory. Just make it happen, Jesus. And that's abiding in him. And I, and I get that. Young people in the room, you get ready to take a test. Lord, help me take this test. Jesus, you go and you abide in him. You abide in him. So, so do you see that, that side of this? As we are abiding in him, we're finding our strength in him, we're finding our peace in him, we're finding our hope in him, we're finding our joy in him. There's nothing wrong with that. The problem is that's where so often us as believers, we're left satisfied. We're left satisfied finding ourselves abiding in him, but we stop there, and we don't let him abide in us. The scripture is showing here that this fruitfulness, this proof of discipleship is going to come out of our lives, not when we abide in him. That's what the world sees and looks at us and says, you Christians, all you do is just use Jesus as an escape. That's all. I was talking to a Jewish guy one day out at the mall. He was selling some lovely oils and we were talking and and he explained, he said, it's easy for you Christians. And I said, why? He goes, you can do whatever you want and you just say, Jesus, forgive me. So you can be rude to your fellow man and just say, Jesus, forgive me. And then it's forgiven. Well, that's not that's not what that's not what that's not what we believe. And he went on to a litany of these things. You know? As long as you just at the end, Jesus forgive me. But but that's not that's not that's, that's not how we that's bad lip I can I can sit here and say that's not what we believe. That's not how we, that's not our heart, that's not our. But when this person outside the world in the world rather looks into the church that's how they they see us abiding in him that's not fruitfulness amen that's half of it that's not all of it this is what the lord gave me about a month ago as i was looking at the scripture i just lord i don't want to be one that just abides in you lord i want you to abide in me to abide in, in both sides this is very important to abide means to not depart not to leave to continue to be present Lord, I want you to be present in every decision. Lord, I want you to be present in every action. Lord, I want you to, be pr- I want you to abide in me in the way I do things and handle my marriage and handle my finances and handle my, 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 my um, temptations and abide in me. It also means this, to be in agreement with and to act in accordance with what you say you're in agreement with. To so abide with something. I, I, I abide with that. I, I agree with that. And then I'm going to follow in suit of what I agree with. In other words, my lip reading, my, 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 my expression lines up with what the message I'm trying to send. There, there, there's congruency. And so often we're just not congruent the way we do life. So often. And again, guys, you guys know your pastor. I'm throwing myself under the bus with this just as, as well. I, I, I'm in this boat, this struggle to abide at times. Chris Hodges, he's a pastor of a church called Church of the Highlands over in in Birmingham, Alabama. He said this, he said, Sometimes it seems safer to have just enough God to get you to heaven, but not so much that he radically alters your life. Enough God that you abide in him. Enough God that I'm going to chase heaven. I'm going to chase God. I'm going to get my rest. I'm going to get my but not enough God to let him say, let me abide in you. And this thing that I'm seeing in your life, it's time to leave it at an altar. This thing that I'm seeing that you're struggling with, it's time to lay it down before me and not make excuses. This thing that I'm seeing that you can't stop running your mouth, it's time that you shut your mouth because it's not your mouth that you're speaking out of. It's my mouth that you're speaking out of if you're the part of the body of Christ. Come on. Can I just go there? Is that all right? That body you're laying up with somebody outside of marriage. That body's not your body if you're a Christ follower. That body is the body of Jesus. And you're taking that body up into that bed with somebody you're not married to. That arm you're putting that needle into is not your arm if you're a part of Jesus. And you're putting a needle into the arm of Jesus. It's not your arm if he's abiding in you. Now listen to me. My heart breaks. at sin. And there's big sins and little sins. That little bit of thing that you took, that you stole, that you put in your pocket. That's not your pocket you put that thing into at work. Well, it's just something from work. It's not a big deal. No, that's Jesus' pocket if you're letting him abide in you. Now listen, the compassion side is this. You can't stop running to that bed. You can't stop running to that needle. You can't stop putting stuff in your pocket. You can't stop. The worst is the gossip. The gossip. I'd rather have, some of my best friends are drug addicts. I'd rather have a best friend that's a drug addict, I'm telling you right now, than a gossip. And I do. (laughs) And I do. But I'm just telling you, it's not your body. It's His. But we want to abide in Him. But we refuse to let him abide in us. And that's when the proof of discipleship comes. That's when the fruit comes. That's when the brokenness comes. That's when it drives us to be able to go, God, I can't do this on my own. I'm just broken before you. But if you'll come and do a work in me, Jesus, do a work in me. Abide in me, Jesus. If we let him abide in us, man, he'll begin to work those things out. And the fruit that comes from our life will match the message of the gospel. It will match what God is speaking in and to us as his church. And we'll stop being a caricature and we'll move in the character of God. Give God some praise. Amen. He wants to abide with us, you know, to, to come to my house. If I'm telling somebody I want you to abide with me, it's like, hey, come over to my house, you know. That's kind of what that looks like, but I don't want somebody to come to my house because that means i got to do some stuff in my house. I'm not sure if I want you to come. I might have to clean up. Okay, I will have to clean up. <laughs> I'll have to get some things in order. I'll have to prepare something to, to serve you when, when somebody's coming to abide. You know, i got to to serve over after, um, after service, second service, to have, have, have lunch with us, Sunday dinner. And, and with that, you know, last night, there was stuff that had to be done. I mean, there was a bunch. I mean, the floors had to be swept. Food had to be cooked. You know, things had to be straightened up. The kids were just a disaster around the house. All this kind of stuff. I mean, it was taxing, guys. All the stuff that we had to do. And Amy did a great job of all of it. So, so proud of you, dear. <laughs> I just thought that this morning. It's true. You did so good. Because she knows, like, Saturday night, about 9 o'clock, I'm out. I just check out, man. I'm like, I'm going to sleep. And so I get up about four on Sundays. So I was out, and she was doing all this stuff. And I got—I got I get up this morning. I walked in. I'm like, "Jesus is coming." <laughs> this is. Oh no, that's right. It's my in-laws. They're coming. That's. If you know Brian Van Dyne, though, almost like Jesus. If you know him, he's a good guy. My my my, my, my um, I don't know what you call that. My son-in-law's dad. It's not my dad-in-law. It's my. What is that? My cousin. Spoken by the grandma of the family, and yes, she is from Alabama. <laughs> roll, t- roll, t- roll Tide. <laughs> oh, my word. But, um, but no, when it comes, there's things that has to be done. In the Old Testament, we see this abiding language verbalized like this. Ready? This is the Old Testament abiding language. I will be your God, and you will be my people. That's the Old Testament abiding. If you abide in me and I abide in you, I will be your God, but you will be my people. I'll be your God, and you will have no other gods before me. In other words, abiding is connected to this incredible word that we don't preach in the church called separation or sanctification. To be separated, set apart as holy unto God for his purpose. That's abiding. God, I run to you, and you're in me. And that puts me different than everybody else. Doesn't make me better. It just makes me different than everyone else. It makes me a peculiar person. It makes me, the Bible tells us in First Peter, a royal generation, a royal priesthood. Yes, a peculiar people. A priest is one that mediates between God and man. And that bad lip reading that the church gets read of so often gets changed when we start to abide in him and we let him abide in us. And as the people begin to look at us as priests of the kingdom, they start to see an accurate message of what the king of the kingdom is trying to send. Amen. That's, that's, that's the whole crux of this thing. I'll be your God and you'll be my people. And if that's the case, that means there's separation. If that's the case, that means that there's the world and there's the lo- us. There's the lost and there's the found. And, and again, that doesn't mean that we don't run away. We don't run away from the lost. We run to the lost. We love the lost. We don't live like the lost. Can I say that one more time? We run to the lost. We love the lost. But we don't live like the lost. We don't live like the lost. There's that call to separation. And here's what I want you to understand it's not a separation from sin. Did you know that? This call to separation is not a separation from sin. In the Bible, you will be my people. It's not a separation from sin, it's a separation to Him. That's what it is. The Bible even teaches in the New Testament, like, like don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. It says, That we're to go after the work of the is on running after him. Lord, I want to abide in you, and I want you to abide in me. There's not going to be any separation. There's not going to be any bad lip reading when it comes to this life of congruency between me and my Jesus. Lord, I'm messed up from the chest up, but God, I'm letting your word start to have an accurate expression in my heart. I'm not satisfied just running and abiding in you any longer. I want you to have your way in me. I don't want you just to have me ready for heaven as far as my soul going But Lord, I want you to change everything. My mind, my soul, my my, my actions, everything, Lord. I want you to change and alter my life right now. And not some sort of behavior modification. That that would be the focus on sin. I'm going to change my behavior. You can't change your behavior. If your behavior is driven by your idols, you'll never change your behavior. Your life has to be driven by God. Like, like I'm going after God. That's Lord, abide in me and I in you. Then the idols start to fall off. The whole reason why the separation came to the Old Testament was so that they wouldn't be like those there in the Canaan, the land of Canaan. That they would be a different people. And the but every time they begin to go after the idols, then they begin to miss. They begin to miss that 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 unity they have with God. And so it's not about sin per se. It's about going after God, and He'll handle the other stuff. Amen. Doesn't mean you're not going to work on the other stuff, all right? Amy and I, I'll just be honest. Amy and I, you know, like we, we feel like we need a little tune-up, you know, just a little. T- you ever feel like you need a tune-up, just a little? Everybody's like, I don't even know what that means. Is that a euphemism? No. Get your head out of the gutter. What's wrong with you? A tune-up, some counseling, you know, and we've been talking about it lately. We've been married 25 years, and um, we're thinking about going this spring there's a, there, or this fall. There's a, a, a thing in Ohio called Emerge Ministry. It's part of the Assemblies of God. And you can go there for like three days. Just intensive three days of counseling and just getting, getting your heart where it needs to be and getting your minds understanding each other. I won't be married to this woman until she's, she's old and gray. Amen? I might be old and gray too. I probably will be. I'll beat you. But, but with that, man, a tune-up. There's nothing wrong. No, no. That idea of going after something for change and stuff. We all need that. But it doesn't come by behavior modification. It comes by going after after God. Recently, I read a book that was probably one of the most devotional books I've ever read in my life. And when I say devotional, I mean it drew me closer to worship of God. It drew me closer to understanding my heart and the distance of my heart from God. So it was a book of devotion. It wasn't a book of information. And you're going to be surprised by the title. It's written by a woman by the name of Jackie Perry Hill. And the book is called Gay Girl, Good God. And when I read it, I was like, no, I wasn't like that at all. But gay girl, good God. When I read it, I'm just like, I want to read this because I want to understand what people go through that have attraction, SSA, same-sex attraction. I want to understand it. But as I read it, I realized, yeah, no, I, I don't have SSA. But, oh, my gosh, I'm so attracted to so many idols. and It doesn't matter what idol we're attracted to. It doesn't matter what we're drawn to. If it draws us away from the heart of God, it's sin. Amen. It's easy to point our fingers at one sin or another sin, but that whole book didn't go after the sin even. It went after going after God's heart. And when you go after God's heart, God does something in you that's powerful. Amen? The idols are shifted and changed. and, And you know what? I love how the book ended. You may never ever deal with the ability to get past some of those affections and those those desires and even things that I enjoy there's things that that man draw me that I would love to go back to may never ever break that fully but I submit them to Jesus why because I'm separated to him I'm in him and he's in me amen and because of that you, you you go through that not alone you go through that with him working those things that idol out of your life and the whole book was about the idolatry of heart if you haven't read the book go read the book it's absolutely amazing and the reason why it's so important to deal with the idols of the heart Because they stand in the way of Jesus having his full expression in our life. If we're going to abide in him and we're going to have him abide in us, that's Jesus' call to have his full expression in our lives. And our idols, the things that we desire, the things that cause the bad lip reading between us and the world, those things that stand in the way, when we lay those down, Jesus starts to have his full expression. And the potential for an outbreak of God's power begins to reside in you every day. The potential for God to do something incredible starts to happen in your life when you abide in him and you permit him to abide in you. And I, I know I use the word permit and every Presbyterian that's in here. Just, you know, your hiney's got tight. Just as soon as I said it, per, permit God, permit God, you know. And I'm, no, I, I get, listen, I believe God is sovereign, amen. But I believe you look in scripture, you can see he's a gentleman. And he's not going to push his way into abiding in our lives. You will never see that in Scripture. Yes, I do believe he is compelling, and his grace is compelling. And I myself would say I'm maybe about a two-point Calvinist myself, even though I'm an Arminius. And some of you are like, I don't even know what that means. Good, I'm glad you don't know what it means because it won't get you to heaven. It'll just cause you to fight with other Christians, and that's stupid. I'm just saying God is sovereign, but he has created his world in such a way that we've got to invite him to have his way in our life. And I want to give him permission. Lord, the idols in my heart, I lay before you. Don't let me just abide in you, but come abide in me. Have your expression in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. And guess what? When he does that, it's going to change you. He's going to put things in your heart that you're going to have to start. He's going to put some things in your heart that you're going to have to stop. He's going to put some things in your heart, some people in your heart. You're going to have to forgive, like Pastor Marvin preached last week. There, there's, 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 there's some things he's going to put in your heart you're going to have to give. There, there's some things he's going to put in your heart. Why? Because you stop being you and you start being him in the earth. You start being the body of Christ. And if you allow him to abide in you, man, his express. You remember he was a healer? Whew. You remember he set captives free? You remember he delivered people? remember he was an encourager to the worst of sinners. Nobody felt judgment from him. The only ones that felt judgment from him were the pious Pharisees. And they needed to be judged. Amen. I'll I'll judge self-righteous folk. I have no problem with that. You know. Man, I want Jesus' body to be expressed in the earth like it was 2,000 years ago. He's just waiting for a church to let him do it. That's all. And listen, I say all that. And let me just finish with this. God, he didn't come to take all the fun away. He didn't come to take all the joy away. He didn't come to, tells me I'm done preaching. <laughs> or as grandma would say, pert near. pert near done, almost. But he didn't come to take all that away. There's a reason that he wants you faithful. You listen to me, ready? You can't be fruitful if you're not faithful. That's it. You can't be fruitful. He wants fruit in your life. And that comes from you abiding in him and letting him abide in you. I'll finish with John 15, 8 through 11. Here's the promise. But this, my Father, is glorified that you bear much fruit. And so prove to be my disciples as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments, abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, that your joy may be full. Tis so sweet, man, to follow after Jesus. Remember that old song? Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know the saith the Lord. That's that word of God, that word of promise that we grab a hold of. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I proved him o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. That's what it's about. Just, God, your word says it. I trust you. Your promises are sure. I'll abide in you, and I know you have a desire to abide in me. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if there's an idol in your life right now, I'm not going to have you come to this altar, but I'm going to challenge you to go to the altar this afternoon of your home, the altar of your heart. I'm going to challenge you to go to the altar this evening there beside your bed. But if there's an idol, if there's something you're dealing with right now, you're going, God, I know I'm abiding in you. I run to you all the time, but I know I'm not letting you have your expression in me fully. And today I submit it to you. If that's you, hold up your hand. I got my hand up. Is there anybody else? Yeah, yeah. Hands up all over. Jesus, in your name, we invite you to have your way in our hearts, Jesus. You're sweet. You're good. You're not a God of judgment. You're sweet. You're good. But, Lord, you do desire to have your way with us. And we invite that. As we run into you, we invite you to run into us. In your name I pray, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.